I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 376 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today. Benjamin Watson is a former first-round NFL draft pick. He played tight end for the Patriots, Browns, Saints, and Ravens. Watson was a part of the New England Patriots team that won Super Bowl 39. He is also the author of two books, Under Our Skin, back in 2015, and The New Dad's Playbook in 2017. The links to both of those books will be down there in the show notes. Benjamin knows a thing or two about fatherhood, being a father of seven children. He officially retired from the NFL after this past season. It's an honor to have him on the podcast today. Benjamin Watson will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you would like to watch today's conversation between Benjamin Watson and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and tomorrow is going to be my final episode for a while here as I shut the podcast down for the summertime. And boy, do I got a banger to close it out. Legendary weatherman Al Roker will be joining me here, so don't miss out on that. I will be continuing to upload prior episodes to my YouTube channel, so be sure you are subscribed over there. And what a great week it has been. Yesterday, three-time NHL Stanley Cup champion Ken Danico stopped by. And before that, I had comedian Joel McHale. I've been getting some great feedback from both of those episodes. Uh, so if you missed out on any of this week's action, please go back and take a listen. And follow me on Instagram, at Alec underscore Lace, for updates on the podcast here. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, please consider hitting me with a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you enjoy listening to the show. And as always, Please help me with that good old word of mouth. Spread this podcast around to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with former NFL tight end Benjamin Watson. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today's episode is being brought to you in part by Bottle Breacher. Bottle Breacher was founded by former Navy SEAL and former guest on First Class Fatherhood, Eli Crane. Bottle Breacher provides handcrafted 50 caliber bottle openers made by active duty service members and veterans. The staff at Bottle Breacher used to use 50 caliber ammunition to defend our country downrange. Now they use them to provide the best man gifts, groomsman gifts, and promotional products on the market. Open your next cold one in style, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save 20% off their entire order by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit BottleBreacher.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout to save 20% off your order. Believe me, once you see them, you're going to want to get one, and once you use it, you're never going to want to open another bottle without it. Go to BottleBreacher.com and use that promo code FATHERHOOD to save 20% off your order and open your next cold one in style. Joining me now, First Class Father, Benjamin Watson. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's start right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? <laughs> That's a good place to start, always on the fatherhood. We have seven children, uh, ranging from ages 11 down to identical twin boys that are about 16 months. So we have 11 and 10-year-old girls, 8 and 7-year-old boys, 4-year-old girl, and identical twin boys that are like 16 months. So we got a lot going on in the house. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I, I got four kids myself, and usually people look at me like I got four heads when I tell them that. I can only imagine what you get when you tell me you have seven. 
we we've heard it all. You know, do you guys have a have a TV in your bedroom? <laughs> do you know how that happens? It's like, yes, that's why we keep doing it. Uh, you know, everybody has a smart comment to make for sure. What what kind of uh, what sports or activities are all the kids into? Um, right now, not much of anything with you know COVID. My my daughter, uh, my oldest, um, she does ballet, so she's been doing that for a long time. We've lived in several different cities, but she always picks that up. Um, so she's been doing that for years. Um, my son, my, my oldest son, my eight year old, is really into football. Um, he thinks he's a great football player, even though he hasn't really played at all. Uh, so it was kind of funny. He does some flag football. My other daughter's in a track. I mean, we've got kind of the gamut. The younger ones aren't into it as much yet, but um, you know, I think they, I think they will be at some point. But I hope I just want them to play if they want to play, and I don't want them to feel any pressure from me that they have to play. Um, if they enjoy it, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, not, not feeling like they have to play because daddy plays sports because you know everybody can go their own route. Yeah, I don't think one of the benefits, too, today is that there's so many – every uh, sport has its own league. You can get give the kids a little taste of everything, and they can pick out yeah. and pick and choose what they like. You know, So I think that's pretty cool. Exactly. Uh, I think that's important. Yeah. I think that's important because, you know, quite honestly, we, we, we do such specialization now. A lot of parents do, and there's a temptation to do that, to really specialize at an early age. Um, and I think that it does benefit kids to, to try a lot of different things. You never know what they're going to be good at. You never know what they – uh, will will track them, and you know. And speaking with a lot of orthopedic doctors, they're starting to say that they see more and more orthopedic injuries of younger younger kids, which means that a lot of these kids are are um, you know getting overuse injuries that they really shouldn't be having at that age. So, you know, going outside and playing, riding the bikes, I think is good for my kids for now. <laughs> yeah, well said. If you could, Benjamin, just take a second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Uh, well, my background right now, I'm unemployed. Um, you know, just finished up playing uh, 16 years of NFL football. Um, been married for 15 years on Thursday, actually, July 2nd. Um, and that'll be you know, 15 years for us. So right now, I'm kind of in, in a transition time of figuring out what's next. Uh, but I've been a father, as I mentioned before, for 11 years and really consider being a father and being a husband my most important jobs. Yeah, good stuff. And, and so how old were you then, Benjamin, the, when you first became a dad? And how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, we had our first daughter in 2009. Um, and I'm the oldest of six kids. And so I I knew I never wanted to have six. So we just went from five to seven. We, didn't even, <laughs> we never landed on six. Um, and I knew we wanted to have kids. I, I met my wife at Georgia, University of Georgia in college, and we dated for several years. And we always talked about having four kids. Well, we got married, waited a few years, started having kids. And we had we had four kids in literally four and a half years. And I knew I wanted to be a dad, but I was scared when we actually were pregnant with our first. And it changes your life. You know, people talk about all the time how fatherhood changes your life. I think for me, um, there was obviously that sense of responsibility and not just responsibility of taking care of a baby or a family, but of understanding the role of um, influence that you have on the next generation. I mean, it really is powerful. I mean, I think, you know, when you're sitting there holding your newborn child, uh, you're you're looking in the face of places that you will never go to, you know, Lord willing, because they're going to outlast you. And how are you going to positively affect that child? What are the things you're going to teach him or her? What are you going to um, pour into them? 
um, and how are you going to do it? It can be very overwhelming. So I remember feeling overwhelmed, um, and I still feel that way uh, in a different way now. Um, <laughs> but but it really is a tremendous sense of joy as well because these little people look up to you and really, really need you. Yeah, well said. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I love being a dad, and it's like especially I felt the same way first time becoming a dad and i felt felt that all them people that were telling me oh just wait you just wait and then i felt like they were wrong you know i it was uh, it was a totally a uh, great experience for me now uh, I, we had uh three boys and then we got our girl on the fourth try there so otherwise we may be catching up to you but we got our girl on the fourth try well that, um, that's, that's what i wanted that if you ask my wife i was like look i want to have four kids i want to have three boys and then little girl all my boys will take care of my little girl and then i started off you know with two girls and I thought the world was ending. <laughs> I ended up going for number three. I was like, oh, I don't know if I should go for number three. Because I felt like as a guy, I wanted a boy. But now I tell you what, God was favorable to us because he gave us those two girls first. Because there is no way my boys will be able to handle and take care of their younger siblings and help us the way our girls do. Seriously. So, so I was proven wrong. Uh, I'm glad that we had her first, but that's that's funny. That's exactly what I was hoping for in the very beginning. And, and you know what? That helped us when, when we had our fourth kid was that our older two were a little bit older to help us out. Now, for, for us, I don't know about for you now going with to seven, but for, for my wife and I, going from two to three was the most difficult transition that we had in, in our experience here. What would you say was for you going from which number of kids to which was the most challenging transition for you guys? No, I would say I think number one is the hardest. Um, for obvious reasons, but once you get past there, I would I would tend to agree with you. Um, two to three, you're outnumbered, and for us, it was it happened so quickly. Like we literally had four kids in four and a half years. So, you know, our first two kids are 15 months apart, and then they're 17 months apart and 17 months apart for that first four. And so we literally had you know two babies and then added a, a third, and then when we added a fourth, we had two three babies, you know, literally. Um, and then after that, I would say the toughest was the twins. Shout out to all the twin parents. I don't know how y'all did it. I'm sorry that I um, didn't give you guys the respect that you deserve. But having those twins, our, our twins are six and seven, um, number six and seven kid. Um, it, that was just, I, I mean, I've never been, you're tired when you have kids, but that was a whole nother level of tired for me and I wasn't even the one carrying the babies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so much respect. So the, the, tw the twins are, are number six and seven, you know, other than two and three, I would say it'd be the toughest for us. Yeah. And definitely those parents that have twins right out of the gate. I mean, that's, uh, you know, to get hit with two, just like that. I mean, I, I know just with going, having your first, all the worries, concerns that go with it to have a double bubble there, man, I definitely yeah. a lot of respect for them. What about, what about as far as um, uh, discipline, uh, Benjamin? What type of disciplinarian are you as a father, and is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Um, I am a problem. <laughs> so we we are a spanking family, but we also do we also are a restriction family of privileges, such as you know they just got video games you know last Christmas, and so now that's one of the things that can be restricted. Um, you know, certain certain privileges that they may have, we may take those things away. Um, we're a mix, though. I think that one of the biggest things about discipline is knowing your child. And so for me growing up, you know, we, we got spankers like everybody else. We 
you know, sometimes we didn't have much that they could take away other than going outside and playing. So we would get granted <laughs> sometimes like that. Um, but the biggest thing is knowing your child and knowing how to best communicate with that child. You know, for some for some children, especially younger children, there is a, a place where I believe all children need that that sort of discipline, that sort of you know physical discipline. But as they get older, there's different ways you communicate with them. Um, the, the biggest thing with discipline, though, and what I've tried to implement is I want to be a disciplinarian that um, does not discipline when he's angry. And that allows for reconciliation after the discipline occurs. The worst thing for a parent is to have your child mad at you or you be mad at the child after the discipline has occurred. The whole point of the discipline is to correct something that was done in direct disobedience to what you told them to do or, or what is a overarching standard of how you live in your house. After that has happened, the relationship has to be brought back together. And so... We'll be sitting there, kid will be crying. I may be crying or just not feeling right about what happened. The discipline happens. After that, there has to be a hug. There has to be an I love you. There has to be a coming back together because you never want the discipline to get in the way of the communication and relationship you have with your child. It's a part of life, but it's a constructive part of life. And for a lot of times, for a lot of us growing up and for a lot of parents right now, we're still all tempted to do this. The dis- that discipline that happened yesterday could be affecting how you speak with your child today and the next day and the next day. And that's not the nature of discipline. That's not what discipline is supposed to be like. Yeah, yeah. Very well said, Benjamin. And I'll tell you what, it's a definitely a on the job learning process. My wife and I, like, the, and you could tell uh, at certain points, you're like, man, I, I went a little too hard there. And then I'll communicate with my wife and say, hey, you know what? play the good cop here, go in, talk to him, and, and, then, and then we'll try to communicate. And this way we're not coming down together so hard on the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but each kid needs to be handled in a different way too because we, we have one that you could just, you know, t- threaten him with taking away the, uh, the device or something like that and he'll listen. The other one, uh, he won't start listening until you actually take it away from him. So it's, it's always, um, you know, trying to find that, uh, the key to, the, uh, to each individual child. And one, one of the things that is important, and I don't know how – uh, single parents do this because I don't know how I would do it without my wife, especially with the four of them. Um, and I talk about on my show a lot of times the uh, the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our in our country right now. And I, I think that combined with the fact that God has been removed from so much of our society, I think those two factors alone are, are, are a major reason why we're seeing so much uh, the trouble in our country and why we have so many problems right now. Um, what do you see as a, I know that you speak a lot about the importance of fatherhood, about the importance of your faith. How do we get the fatherless crisis solved in our country here? All right, dads, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Manscaped is here to ensure that your post-quarantine body is ready to make its shirtless debut. Don't be that guy on the beach with a bushy Chewbacca chest that's out of control. And chances are that Austin Powers sweater vest look isn't going to be your ticket to Ladyland this summer. Trim that bear rug down to size with Manscaped's third-generation waterproof cordless body trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0. It is the best trimmer on the market for those in need of a chest shave. Don't take a chance giving yourself an accidental nipple piercing using a traditional razor. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners are getting 20% off plus free shipping with the code FATHER at Manscaped.com. Did you hear that? That's 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com using the promo code FATHER. And you can start trimming that nest on your chest today. 
One of the things I always talk about on my podcast here is the fatherless crisis. Too many kids in our country are growing up without a father in the home. And I think that combined with the fact that God has been removed from so much of our society is creating devastating effects in the country. Um, so uh, my, my question to you would be, I know you speak a lot about the, the, the importance of the role of the father and your faith. How can we get this fatherless crisis and get more dads back into the home? Yeah, um, you know, that's a that's a very serious and important question and topic. Um, you know, fa- fathers obviously serve a, a, a role when it comes to provision and protection, but also on the spiritual side and, and not even on the spiritual side, but on, on also on, you know, just the sociological, emotional side. You know, fathers are um, protectors of a child's emotions. They are um, providers, not just of, you know, physical needs, but of emotional needs. You know, fathers are protectors. So they protect the child from physical threats outside of the home. They protect their child from those who will want to bully them or those who will want to um, take advantage of them. Um, They're also the prophet in their home. And when I say the prophet of their home, that means that they are the spiritual leader. Um, The man's the spiritual leader of his household. That's not to say that a single mother or that the wife has no role. No, she has a role equal to that of the man. But when it comes to order, biblically, the man is a spiritual leader. When we say that a man, a father is the is the priest of his home, you know, the idea of the priest, biblically speaking, is he's the one that goes before God on behalf of his family, covering them in prayer, um, leading them when it comes to, um, you know, understanding um, and worshiping, those sorts of things. So, the, the role of the of the father is vitally important. And when you really break it down, you can see how when you remove that, then chaos ensues. Um, and again, that's not to say that a, a mother that's a single mother can't do a great job. She can. But even if you talk to her, she will say, it'd be great if there was a guy right here that was helping me because kids statistically have better outcomes when they have a mother and a father in a home. That's just numbers. Um, and also when it comes to a dad, now all dads, no dads are perfect. And, but a father is for many of us and for all, for all of us, really our first idea of what our heavenly father is like. That's, that was much of the, the weight and responsibility that I felt when I had my first child, because I know I'm going to fall short and we all are, but I am her first or his first idea of what it means to be loved, what it means to have a hero, what it means to have for someone to love them unconditionally. That that's what a dad that's what a dad does. And so dads are vitally important for the family unit, but also when you talk about society as a whole, they're important when it comes to that. And so when you look at fatherlessness, it's estimated that you know a third of our kids are growing up without dads. Now some dads aren't married and they're still great dads. They're still involved with you know they're still they may not live in the house but they they're involved. Um, and then you go outside of that and say, wow, what are the things that take dads out of the home? So in order to address fatherlessness, it's twofold. We have to first challenge men that they have what it takes. Whether you had a dad or not, you have what it takes to be a great dad. It's already in you. We believe you can do it. Also, you are needed. We need you to step into that role. If you're married, great. That's preferable. If you're not, you can still be involved. We still need you to be involved. It matters. And so first thing is we got to encourage men that they can do it because because a lot of what society is telling men is that they don't have what it takes, that they're going to be aloof, that they're going to be distant, that they're going to be ill prepared. 
and that they just can't do it and they have no expectation of doing it and we expect them to run around and do a bunch of other things. That's what society would tell them. We need to be people to tell them, no, man, we encourage you. You can do it. You can do it. And we need you to do it. Secondly, when it comes to why men aren't in the home, there's a bunch of different reasons. You look at incarceration rates, extraordinarily high. And so when you look at that and you look at, well, okay, are some communities targeted? Are some communities treated unfairly when it comes to that? What are the situations in a community that create joblessness? We know that those things are linked directly to fathers not being there. So there are a bunch of issues outside of the personal decision that have to be addressed when it comes to fatherlessness. But yes, it is a huge issue. And it is something that if we don't take care of and we don't address in a multifaceted fashion, um, being personal as well as you know society at large and situations and circumstances, then our, our kids don't don't really have much of, much of a chance other than them individually overcoming a lot of things, which kids do. You know, you never know the outcome of a child. A child can grow up with no parents and grow up to be whatever he or she wants to be. But the numbers tell us that, and the numbers over time tell us that for that child, things are going to be a, a lot more difficult because dad's not in a home. Yeah, yeah, very well said, Benjamin, and and this is a big part of my show here, and I, and I always make sure to say it's not to take anything away from the single moms out there, and that's not what I try to do by bringing attention to the fatherless problem that we have, oh. uh, but, but the major part of my show here is what I do is show fatherhood by having all these guys on the show that have succeeded greatly, yet they testify that the greatest sense of fulfillment they've gotten in life has been through the experience of becoming a father. I mean, I've been down there at the Super Bowl. I had a chance to interview Tom Brady, have him talk about fatherhood. I've had, you know, everybody that from Navy SEALs, um, you know, to high flying entrepreneurs and stuff like that. And it's just important to capture those stories because I think uh, another part of this issue is that the way we see the, the dad portrayed on TV and sometimes in the movies and through the media, we kind of see that dad as that doofus guy that kind of, you know, and we always see him as the guy that's never getting laid. His life kind of, he's always yeah. got his head down. But that single guy is kind of glorified in the movies and stuff. Like he's sleeping around with multiple women. He's got no responsibility. So that seems like, well, wow, why wouldn't I want that? You know, so it's like, I think we need to do a better job too of just promoting the father in a better light and telling him for the truth of yeah. what a great life transformation it is. And, and, and that's not reality because, you know, you talk to those guys who the movies are about. And you talk to the guys who have dads and you said it over and over again, those guys who have had that life and are now having a life of a dad. Hands down, we know which one that they will they they prefer and which one gives them more fulfillment. And so, again, the enemy loves to lie and pervert things. And so the perversion is that you being a father is going to be boring and not cool. And it's not really what you want to do. That's the lie. The truth of the matter is, men, we were made for this. Men, we are needed to do this. Men, you will find fulfillment in being the dads that you were called to be, and you will be taking on your role that you were designed to live in. Um, but but if the enemy wants to destroy a society and destroy a family, he's going to go for the head. He's going to go for the dad. Yeah. And, and he's going to pervert things that we know not to be true. Yeah, 100 percent. Right on with that. And, and you know what? Reining it back into you as a dad here, I'm kind of curious uh, for myself, because 
with my four kids, one of the things that I try to bring attention to or try to focus on is individual time with each kid because I know how important it is for them because we do so much as a family. We pray together. We eat together. We do all these things together. But I know that that one-on-one time is important. How do you go about that? Do you, do you have a certain schedule, a certain day of the week? Like, do you, How do you go about making sure you spend individual time with your kids? Yeah, that's something I've been really challenged with this um, during this season of life. Uh, especially with COVID and stuff like that um, is, and just the fact that we have so many children is wanting to get that one-on-one time. And I haven't mastered it yet. Um, It's something that is a work in progress. What I did do a a little while ago was trying to have, trying to plan a day for at least the oldest, the oldest four or five, you know, just, just to plan a day and say, look, what is, what do you want to do today with daddy for an hour? And it's amazing. You realize that, man, you know, when they're together, it's one thing. When they're separately, you see their individual talents and abilities and their interest in a way that you don't see when everybody's together. And one of them says, I want to do a puzzle. You know, one of them's like, I want to wrestle. Like my son said, I want to wrestle. I'm like, really? I do not feel like wrestling. I do not feel like getting on the floor. <sighs> All right, let's wrestle. But he needed that. That's what he needed. And I can't do that with him with everybody else around. And so, you know, one of them is like, I want to go ride bikes and I want to ride fast because I don't want to ride slow with the slower kids. I want to just, my older one of my older daughters. I want to ride bikes around the neighborhood, just me and you. So we can just go further than we go when we have the little smaller kids with us. Um, and it really was was fulfilling for me because it was getting to know them all over again. Because one of the fears I think that I had also about having, you know, a larger number of children, at least in, from an American standpoint, um, modern standpoint is not being able to get to know each of them the way that I wanted to. Um, so that's definitely something that I, my, both my wife and I, have to be very, very conscious of, um, and it's something that we don't we don't get right all the time, quite honestly. Yeah, it, it's a challenge for myself as well, and I'm, I'm dealing with four of them, so I can only imagine what it comes with with seven, especially with twins at home, and you know, you know, being a high level athlete. I mean, that's a a lot to squeeze in there. And then speaking of that. Um, are, are we definitely done this time with the retirement or are we looking at another comeback or what's the plan here going forward? My wife isn't in here while I'm talking, so I might, no, we're definitely <laughs> done. She, she would shoot me the meanest look right now if I even halfway pump faked again. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're definitely done. So we're trying to figure out what we're about to do next. We're, we're still living up here in Boston, um, for now, uh, before we possibly move down South, um, you know, in the, by the end of the year, maybe next year so. But we are done, man. We are we are moving on. Yeah, all right. Sounds good. I don't want to keep you here. Last thing I'm going to hit you with, Benjamin, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have? I mean, you probably touched on this a lot already, but what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah, new dad, I would say, um, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect dad. You don't. I talked to a lot of dads. I wrote a book about it, New Dad's Playbook, um, in talking to a bunch of dads because dads don't, we, we, we think we don't have what it takes. We think we've got to be perfect. The biggest thing is not your perfection, it's your presence. It's you being there, and not just for the child. Fatherhood starts right now before the baby gets there. Fatherhood starts with the relationship that you are building with the mother, how you are loving her, listening to her, serving her. You are creating somewhat of the nest that that child will be brought into. And so fatherhood is, yes, about your relationship with your child, but also it's about the relationship with the mother, because that relationship is really the most important relationship for that child to see. So 
you're going to make mistakes, um, but we all do. And and uh, God is faithful and children are resilient to overcome whatever we mess up. Um, but you have what it takes. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Benjamin Watson, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Benjamin Watson for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Keep it locked in. I got one more episode coming your way tomorrow before I shut the podcast down for the summertime. Legendary weatherman Al Roker joins me on the show tomorrow. If you missed out on any of this week's action, please go back through the archives there and take a listen. Uh, Thank you for listening. I'm Alec Lace. That's all I got for you guys today. Please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers.